Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Hi, I hope you've got a piece of paper with you and a pen because today we're going to take a test. And um, it's what James, the book of James, would call the wisdom test. Now, what's the dumbest thing that you've ever done? I suppose if you're like me, there's so many that it's difficult for you to be able to figure out. Uh, That's not on the test, by the way. It's just a question to get you thinking. There's a thing called the Darwin Awards that you can Google and have a look at. Every year, they judge and they showcase some people whose lives have ended in the most often quite dramatic and spectacular way. They've been ended by doing something very, very foolish. Uh, For example, I was looking at one, the one that won this year was a man up the top of some terrible mountain, totally unprepared, videoing it all for Instagram. And, uh, and then he ends up walking off the end of the mountain, but all the way down, like his last bit is him saying, must keep filming. Now, much less dramatically than that, we can waste our lives climbing up the wrong mountains. And even if we get to the top, we end up thinking, what am I doing here? And, and is this really important anyway? Or we can go through life thoroughly unprepared for things that that um, we, we just keep blundering from one thing to another and carry on hoping that the wrong thing will eventually become the right thing uh, suddenly, um, just because we want it to, because we wish that it would do. But wishes are not necessarily going to lead to wisdom. And today, as we carry on in our uh, look, looking at the New Testament book of James, we're going to be looking at what God says true wisdom is, so that we can uh, know what it isn't and we can also discern what it is because the fact is before I knew anything about the Christian faith and about the Bible and never read it myself, I kind of figured that the Bible I assumed was going to be about some lists of um, rights and wrongs, things to do that were either good or bad, good or evil. But actually, when you read it through, the Bible has, does have some of those kind of lists, but often instead the contrast is between being wise and being foolish. Um, It has so much to say about that. Uh, This week in the papers, the headlines have been full of somebody uh, saying that what something that he did, he felt was necessary and legal and uh, responsible. But perhaps a better question to ask would have been to ask himself, is it wise? Imagine how much trouble we could save ourselves by pausing in life sometimes and asking ourselves the wisdom question, is this wise? And how do we figure out what wisdom is? Well, the way that James helps us with this is a very Jewish perspective. So much Jewish wisdom literature, and there's a lot of it in the Old Testament, uh, and James reflects that, is a contrast, not between something that's good or bad, um, but he'll describe what something clearly is, and then he'll show us what it's clearly not. It's like, it's not this, wisdom is not this, and it is this. And as I said, James is a very Jewish book written to an early church that was pretty much predominantly all Jewish. And so like the Old Testament book of Proverbs, um, and actually reflected the words of his older brother, Jesus Christ himself, this wisdom literature um, would really speak to people. And just about every, every chapter of James says something about wisdom and the wise way to live. And as we've said already, that isn't about just what's in your head. It's what's going to come out in your life that will determine whether or not you are wise. In the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 to 7 says, Get wisdom, get understanding, 
Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. So wisdom in the Old Testament is often personified as being somebody you get to know in life. And most of Proverbs was written by Solomon, who very famously once, who was having a dream one night when God showed up in the dream and said to him, ask me for anything that you want. He was still quite young and just starting out as a king. And God said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to give you? And out of everything that he could have asked for, Solomon said, I want wisdom. Please give me wisdom to be able to lead right. And, and God said, great, because you've asked for that and you've not asked for the death of your enemies or for riches and glory, all the things that you, that you didn't ask for, you're gonna get. I'm gonna give them to you too because they're all wrapped up in wisdom. And when you get that, you get the rest. So James takes register at the beginning of the reading and then he asks the question, who is wise among you? Now, some of us watching might be the first to put your hands up uh, like you did in school, because you were always kind of top of the form and top of the class. Others might want to hide at the back a little bit and put your head down because you were the, the last one that ever would put your hand up for something like that when you were at school. You never, you hated tests and all of those kind of things. But this is not asking who is clever or who's good at maths or, or who's good at crosswords or languages or sciences or all those other subjects, because... God's test of wisdom is not about whether or not you would pass an IQ test. In fact, did you ever meet somebody with a really high IQ but really low EQ, like emotional intelligence, uh, or, you know, like no people skills whatsoever? And, um, you know, if you've been with us so far, you're going to have seen that this incredibly practical short letter, this little book of the Bible that James has written, is full of tests, actually. And uh, we've just looked through some of them so far, all the way through. Chapter one talks about um, the tests of life that come our way in terms of trials. And, um, you know, this isn't about your kind of religious knowledge and the things that you know in, in your head. They come out in life. And so, as I say, there's the tests. And then later on in chapter one, he talks about the, the trials and the temptations which are going to demonstrate whether or not we really know God and whether our faith is true. And then it's how you respond to the word of God, whether it's like a mirror that changes you or you just walk away as if it, you never even heard. And chapter two, he goes on to talk about how you treat the poor and that being a test of whether or not you really know and love God. Chapter three started out um, in, in the last one that we looked at in terms of how you control your tongue, how you watch your mouth. And today at the end of the chapter, we get the wisdom test. Today really is the wisdom test. And, and this is about whether you know God and whether that you've got the true wisdom that God says is wisdom. And what's the proof of that? Life. Life is the proof of true wisdom. Or in the end, it will prove to be the opposite. How you live a good life, a life full of good deeds is a life of wisdom, is the proof of wisdom as far as James is concerned. And that's what he's telling us. Now, 
James studied under his, uh, his half-brother, the wisest teacher who ever lived, Jesus Christ. And we said it was only later that he became a believer in him. But perhaps he heard him say in Matthew chapter 11, 19, wisdom is proved right by her actions. In other words, as we would have it now as a proverb, actions speak louder than words. And so, you know, we can talk um, as if we're very intelligent, have an incredible vocabulary and use all kinds of terms, etc. But that's not it. In the end, James says there's actually only two sources of wisdom. There's either uh, up above or down below. There's top down or bottom up. So why don't you take some notes on this? Because I think this will really help us to be able to discern and to live wisely, which is what God is really interested in. And he says, actually, from this passage, there's ways that God can help us so that we can check the source of the wisdom and then we can decide whether or not it's worth following. And can you imagine how different the world would be? I look back and think how my life would have been so much different, so much better, how we could have produced far more good and had a better life. And I would have far fewer regrets if only I checked and stopped and prayed, or even if we even just asked the question, is this really wise? And before we just go ahead and blunder in, and before the times I've done just what I think is right, and so many times afterwards I've figured out how wrong I was. Now, earlier in chapter one, we heard that James said, we can always ask God in every circumstance. We can, when you need wisdom, he says, you can go and ask God and he's never going to tell you off for asking. You can go to him and ask for wisdom. And, and he gives us checklists for, for what the wisdom looks like here so that I can tell actually, is this just me? Uh, is, this, is this an action? Is this thought? Is this, is this decision? Is it going to be wise? the way God defines wisdom or not, which is so key for every single one of us because we're all going to have to make decisions, aren't we, in life? And whatever decisions we make, um, they may look quite similar, these, these two paths that we can take, but in the end, eventually, our lives will show which path it was that we took and whether we took the path of wisdom or foolishness. So I could be very smart, very highly educated with all the right qualifications, but if that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm wise or I'm making wise decisions. In fact, as he goes on to talk about it, you'll notice he talks about pride and pride leads somewhere. It always leads to a fall. And, and the pride, if it, if it makes me proud, that's a good sign that it's bottom up. It's the opposite of true wisdom that comes from God because his wisdom leads to humility and not to pride. Pride comes, as they say before, a fall. And the next bump down on the next step is jealousy or envy. And then after that, you get rebellion. And then after that, he talks about factions or divisions. That's everybody trying to prove how right they are, how clever they are, how they, how they know that what's really going on and end up falling over each other and, and, and tripping each other up and falling out over those kind of things. That's not true wisdom. The characteristics of that kind of thinking, if you follow the string as opposed to where they end up going down to, is that they go down to God's enemy, your enemy and mine, the accuser of the brethren, the father of lies, Lucifer, Satan, who the book of Isaiah shows us fell because of his pride. That was the downfall of Satan. 
And James says that so-called wisdom is worthless because it's soulish. It's not uh, spiritual. Ultimately, it is demonic, not divine. There was a time in Matthew chapter 16, you may recall this if you've read that portion of the Gospels, when Peter, who was meant to be the disciple, literally the learner, comes to his teacher, Jesus, when he heard Jesus say that he was going to go to the cross and that he was going to go as the son of God to die and to save us and rescue us from our sins, Peter took him aside to give him a piece of his mind. He's talking to the son of God and he wants to impart wisdom to the son of God. Now, do you think that that was wise? Hmm. Well, Peter did, and that was the problem. See, we can so easily be fooled into believing or thinking that we are wise. And, and actually the book of Proverbs warns five times about being wise in our own eyes. To be wise in your own eyes really is to be a fool. Isaiah chapter five and verse 21 says, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. See, I can make my own assessment, my own judgment and be so completely wrong, even when I thought I was so right. And Jesus famously turns back to Peter and he says in Matthew 16, verse 23, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for you do not have in mind the thoughts of God, but the thoughts of men. And again, we can see that kind of deadly trio there. We've already said that there are two sources of wisdom, true and false, but actually that splits up into, into the wisdom that comes from above, or from below, sorry, splits up into three different areas. Um, and James talks about those, that wisdom as being uh, the wisdom from b below, the one that's going to trip us up actually and be a stumbling block in our path, like, like um, Jesus said it, Peter would be to him, is going to trip us up from doing the things that God has prepared in advance, the good things he's prepared in advance that we should walk in. And uh, he says, actually, that's a complete diversion. For me to listen to your so-called wisdom is going to lead me completely astray. It's not the wisdom that, that comes from God. So how do we check? Well, it, it starts with the negative and it starts with the wisdom from below. James said it actually, and you can see it in what Peter said and what Jesus said to him. In verse 15, if you look at that, it says, the wisdom that comes from below is earthly, unspiritual, demonic, or any combination of those three. Earthly, unspiritual, and demonic um, is, is what the wisdom from below looks like. And Jesus told Peter that he was going to reject his so-called wise advice, thank you very much, his counsel, because he recognised its source, even if Peter couldn't. And it was either, whatever that thought came from, it was either from Peter himself, which is earthly, or it was the thoughts of men, which are innately unspiritual and opposed to the spirit of God, uh, Corinthians says. And then he said, get behind me, Satan, just in case it's actually demonic. Um, because either of those three ways of thinking will lead away from the life and the outcomes that God desires for you and for me as we follow him. We're not to follow that so-called wisdom. True wisdom. What's true wisdom then? God's wisdom 
comes from above. It's top down. It's revealed to us and received by us. It comes down to us from heaven. As James wrote earlier, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. That's what God wants to keep pouring out, his wisdom, his revelation, his words to us, his, his genius to us by the Holy Spirit. Today, the church celebrates on Pentecost when God's wisdom, when his Holy Spirit, God's anointing and all that power and the wisdom of God, which the people looking at the disciples before long, they couldn't argue with the wisdom, even though they were simple and unlearned men, it says. And the Apostle John says, when you have the Holy Spirit, the anointing spirit inside of you and operating, you're cooperating with that spirit. You don't need to go around chasing after human teachers anymore. He says, actually, that anointing that is in you wants to lead you and to teach you all things. So this is really about being open to the wisdom that comes from above. And I wonder if you could just pray as I'm speaking and say, Lord, open me up to your wisdom from above. And again, that just humbles me and, and pulls me up short when I think about so many times over 30 odd years of following Jesus and the, 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 the tiny measure of wisdom that I've got because I've got a real godly wisdom that I've got compared with other things people might look at me, other Christians I might compare myself against. And, um, you know, so often I just rely on or I run on my own wisdom um, or the wisdom from some book or some blog or whatever, rather than coming to the Lord himself and asking him, what do you want? What do you think? See, I know a lot of the Bible. I've read it through several times, front to back, many, many times. I've even underlined various parts of it and coloured them in. I've memorised portions of the Bible. I could quote bits of it to you at different times and probably will if you get to know me better. There's been times when I've taught the Bible, sometimes to fairly big crowds of people. But, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm wise the way God defines wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 18, verse 1 says, knowledge puffs up. The King James Version, I always love it, it says, puffeth up but love builds up. That's the difference. So we're going to do a test now. And it's the list of what God says wisdom really looks like. So you need to get that pen and paper out. And actually, you're going to find when you read it, if, if you've read that portion of scripture before, the list that's in Galatians chapter five of the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruit. These are the things that take time but should grow. And in the end, they're a lot harder to fake than whether or not I know some things from the Bible. So I want you to score yourself on this. I scored myself on it this week. I didn't come out too well, to be honest with you. But maybe next time you make a decision, you can run it through the grid and, and think of it first of all. And, and actually, if you think, is it coming out of pride, envy, selfish ambition? Is that my motives really? Um, who am I really doing this for? That's a good place to begin. But then positively, as we, as we look at these things, the idea is that we're meant to progress in these in these different areas and, and when you know they're going to pop up and you can write them down and give yourself a score but his God's wisdom is meant to be a check on my thinking so we can do this as a test where you're going to mark yourself one to ten and and look further up the chapter you'll see that James says none of us is perfect we all make many mistakes so that's okay but the idea is that we're going to we're intending to grow in wisdom 
um, that the longer we are walking with Jesus over time, it's a bit like fruit, you know, fruit takes time for it to grow, but it's meant to grow. And if it doesn't, if you've got something that's not got no fruit growing on it, you're going to wonder, actually, is it, is it really alive at all? And, uh, and, and another question will be, would the people who know me best, perhaps those I live with, work with, would they say that these days I'm, I'm growing, am I becoming more like this or less like this? Um, and so right now, just give yourself a self-assessment, an honest assessment, so that we, we know, so that you know how to pray and how to ask for God for more wisdom in these areas. True wisdom, Lord, say I need it to come down from above. So, you know, is my thinking pure? Pure. This is about motives. This is about uh, not being full of that selfish ambition that, that rises up. Um, it's a, a very similar word to holy. Um, it's set apart for God. That basically the pure thing means my, my motives are purely for him first. Everything else flows out of that. Uh, so give yourself a score. One being very, very low to ten. Um, so next one is peace loving. And notice that's not just, a, that's an active thing. It's not passive. That's not just I want to avoid arguments. It's actually promoting peace. Rate yourself on that, one to 10. And uh, I'm realizing, as I look at the third one, how often I fail the test of being considerate. Um, because you know what? I tend to think of me first and often, so naturally. Um, so that word can also be translated actually as, as gentle too, which makes me feel even worse. And so I'll have to kind of angrily rub out that and mark myself even lower when I did it and give myself a lower score than I did originally. And, um, and submissive there, what does submissive mean? It means in this setting, approachable, open to, and easy to be corrected, open to having somebody uh, show me where I'm wrong and thanking them for the feedback and, and being willing to admit that I'm not right on that so that I can, I can learn from what you've said. That's what submissive means there. Full of mercy, compassion, same word. Uh, feeling how it must feel for the other person. Putting yourself in their shoes. Empathy, Short, score yourself on that one. One to 10. If I'm really brave, I could ask somebody uh, else, somebody who has to live with me or work with me to rate me on these things. And that would perhaps give an even more accurate assessment um, because we don't think of these kind of things as wisdom, do we, usually? This is the wisdom that comes from above. And uh, good fruit, what is good fruit? It, this means it shows on the outside. It's literally uh, righteous fruit. It's visible uh, evidence that people can see that I, I, I've been with the invisible God and that he's changing me for the better in my life. And it's showing up in my life in these different ways. And uh, impartial, well, that's an obvious one. Uh, it means I don't take sides, uh, but it also means what James was talking about, about not picking favourites. Remember the, the, the study that we looked at about how he talked about favouritism and how, was, how we shouldn't be judging by externals with people and saying, well, I like him, but I don't like her. Sincere, um, sincere, rate yourself on this. What you see is what you get. Literally, uh, actually, the word, other translations say not hypocritical, which means I'm not putting a mask on. 
what you see is what you get. Sincere, literally, the Latin word for that means without wax. And in those days, people who were, who were trying to pass off rubbish, fake pottery in the market, uh, what they would do is they'd cover up the cracks with a glaze with wax, and it would look like it was fine and didn't have any cracks, and it was fine until you put it in, in the oven or, or somewhere it would be it tested under pressure. And then, of course, the cracks would show. True wisdom is not like that. It's not just looking like it. It actually stands the test, the pressure. Uh, it will got to take you through the fire. And uh, we're going to finish scoring there. Add yourself up, give yourself a score, uh, just to really help you to pray and to say, Lord, I need to make progress in these areas. Hopefully that's given us enough, all of us, to now to be able to say to the Lord, I'm not the finished article. I'm not as wise as I thought. Please give me your wisdom. I need, Lord, I hunger for the wisdom that comes from above in my life. Um, and whether or not we've ever done that before, I invite you to, to pray like that with me now and to ask for that wisdom for the Holy Spirit to come. And, and that won't be shown up on a paper test really anytime soon, but life will be the, the litmus test for um, whether we've listened to the word today and whether we've asked for that and then we've done what it says. I'll finish with a final verse and then we'll pray. Verse 18 says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you've shown us today what your way of wisdom looks like, the wisdom from above, and that it would lead to us living a life of peace with each other. And that there will be a harvest in our life of righteousness, of goodness, a good life, a truly good life at the end. Lord, we know that we sow and we reap and we sow and we reap in life. And Lord, please help us today to check what we're sowing and why. We know that worldly wisdom won't cut it and it won't last. And it's earthly, it's unspiritual and at its worst it can be so demonic so instead of that we reject that wisdom and we say Lord give us your wisdom today and let it show in our lives now and for eternity and we pray this prayer in the mighty name the wonderful name of Jesus Christ amen thanks for listening for more podcasts go to ivychurch.org/media